I'm Ryan Bunn. I'm here with Andrew Stewart, Daniel Stewart, and Broden Janzarek. So first off, we've got a good topic. The, we had a big game over the weekend on Saturday, Michigan versus Ohio State. What a game that was. Michigan coming up with the upset victory, the two versus the three. What are your thoughts on that game so far? Um, first win in the shoe since 2000. Uh, biggest win since 1976 when Bo Schimbeckler was coaching. Um, it was a great job by J.J. McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh. And frankly, uh, the uh, defensive coordinator, Jesse Mentor, had a great game. Um, coaching, in, in my opinion, better than uh, other defensive coordinators have coached in the past season, like Mike McDonald and Don Brown. But, um, and also the offensive coordinators, Matt Wise and uh, Weiss and Sharon Moore, have, in my opinion, coached better than Josh Gaddis the season before, um, changing up the game plan a little bit, uh, bringing in the passing attack in the first quarter. And they didn't just beat this Michigan, uh, not Michigan State, uh, the Ohio State team with um, Blake Horn. They beat him without it. Their Heisman runner, um, running back. And they did it with uh, Donovan Edwards with uh, a cast on his uh, right hand, I believe. And uh, let me talk about the offense for a little bit. J.J. Uh, Patterson had probably the game of his life, um, passing, in my opinion, better than Cade McNamara ever did last season, even though – they had, it was a lot of deep ball, but uh, I think uh, still it was uh, better than K. McNamara the season before. He does he is a little bit inconsistent, but think again. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore performing very well uh, in the college level, and he has uh, two more years hopefully at Michigan. And I bet he's the best Harbaugh quarterback because he can't just do it with his arm. He does it with his legs too. He's that dual threat quarterback that. Uh, Michigan hasn't had since Denard Robinson, frankly. And uh, it's better than Jake Rudock and Wilton Spade in the season before. And this wide receiver core is kind of a little bit scary with Cornelius Johnson and Ronnie Bell having great a great game against Ohio State. Uh, and the O-line had a great game. Uh, they are nominated for the Joe Moore Award, uh, doing great there, uh, protecting uh, J.J. and Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in the backfield. Uh, doing great there. And let's uh, switch over to the defensive side as uh, the linebacker. Actually, uh, I want to point out a play. Uh, I, I liked uh, Michigan linebacker converting to running back the week of the game. Uh, Kalei Mullings had a pass to, uh, I think it was, oh, yeah, tight end. Uh, not Oh, yeah, it was tight end Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, for, that was a good play on, I believe, a third and one. That was a big play against Ohio State. And uh, kicker Jake Moody had a great game, too. Uh, switching over to the defensive side, uh, Jalen Harrell had a good game. The DB had a big tackle or a uh, knockdown on the tight end on a third and one that forced Ohio State into a field goal in the first quarter, I believe. Uh, Mike Barrett had a great game, with a, and Rod Moore had uh, tackles during the game. It was a great game from them. Uh, I want to talk about Mike Sanders still, a wide receiver converted over to DB this season, has filled the spot of uh, first-round pick Dax Daxton Hill. Um, it was a big uh, place from him uh, in the game. Also on a third and goal, uh, a great play uh, hitting the football out of uh, the, tight end, the Ohio State tight end's hands during the game. And uh, the defense also forwards C.J. Stroud, a uh, Heisman runner, too, in his first interception in almost a month. Uh, the last one he had was against in October uh, 22nd against Iowa. Yeah, C.J. Stroud, he really struggled in that game. Like, 
I thought I said in the last podcast that this was going to be his Heisman moment, that he was going to have to play amazing, and that he would probably outplay J.J. McCarthy. And what happened? He didn't. J.J. McCarthy outplayed the Heisman favorite at the time. So now we're looking at some new Heisman favorites like Caleb Williams and even Max Duggan from TCU. I want to talk about Edwards stepping up, filling the role of Blake Cordham. As Blake Cordham's like a Heisman runner against C.J. Stroud, now it's looking like Blake, Port- Blake Cordham is going to overtake him. But Edwards is just, he out he showed up, got two, D, two TDs and 216 yards. Uh, also, I want to point out that uh, uh, two Ohio, um, uh, I saw this on Fox Sports, uh, two recruits that were visiting Ohio at the game, uh, they were visiting Ohio State for the game, actually committed to Ohio, uh, to Michigan after the game. Yeah, that's kind of crazy and funny to see. Those uh, DBs for Michigan actually locked down uh, Marvin Harrison, who, in my opinion, is one of the best wide receivers in the nation. Uh, Amika Buga had some great catches in the game, but they still stopped him. And even though Travion Henderson for them was injured, uh, the Ohio State running back, uh, Mayan Williams stepped up and uh, Chip Trainum stepped up for them. But we still, in the big moments, the, uh, it was a shootout in the first half, but Michigan took control in the second half with big plays, which we haven't seen all season. We've seen uh, – uh, good, solid drives that took a long period of time, not just one play touchdowns right off the bat. And uh, that's mainly why Michigan won this game. Yeah. Um, also, another thing in Michigan news is that Cade McNamara is entering the transfer portal. So we're going to see where he will go. Does he move to another Big Ten team? You know, he was a great player. He was a key factor in that Michigan team last year. So where do you guys think he's going to go? Anywhere, really. I don't I don't know. Um, is Bo Nix a senior? I, I don't know. Uh, I have no clue. Not, if, if not, I, I don't know where he'd go. I don't know who would want him. Maybe Nebraska. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, he's an experienced quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback. He's a good leader. So we'll see if he moves on to somewhere bigger and brighter. And so now for our next topic, the world game, the world tournament, the World Cup is going on right now, especially even as we speak. we got a few games going on. So what are your thoughts on the tournament, guys, so far? It's, it's been a great tournament so far. A lot of upsets. Uh, personally, my favorite upset is Saudi Arabia versus Argentina. Yes, 2-1, out of nowhere. Um, Messi was just lost in that game. He got a penalty, but everyone, uh, the greatest players have to convert those penalties. Yeah, but having those four disallowed goals during that game because of offsides really hurt them. I mean... You can score four goals, but if they're offsides, it doesn't really matter. But it, honestly, that loss may end up working out in their favor. If they win their last game, move on, they could end up not getting seeded against teams like Brazil, who are looking to be the powerhouse of these tournaments. Yeah, we have three teams that have qualified so far. you got Brazil, you got France, and I believe the last team is Portugal that just qualified yesterday. And you also have two teams that are eliminated, uh, Qatar and uh, my very own Canada has been eliminated, sadly. But uh, other than that, there's still 27 teams battling it out for those last 13 places that are left in the Sweet 16. So another team that I really like that's played well so far is Ecuador, led, lead, led by leading scorer Ener Valencia, who's just played outstanding so far this tournament. Yeah, all three goals in their games. He's just played amazing. He deserves more goals. He's probably going to score this game that's going on right now against um, against Senegal and probably help them to the – the last 16. I think they're a good dark horse team to have, uh, especially 
going into the knockout stage. Also, um, uh, they have a good attack. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, teams like Morocco and Iran have a good attack, but um, I think in this World Cup we've had a lot of goals that have been called off from offsides, especially you see it almost every game. Um, but it, it's just not players. Some players, like we saw Richarlison yesterday for Brazil, kind of being lazy, not getting back uh, into the onside position, and are um, not getting back onside, and that's affecting them uh, for good opportunities. I think the reason for all these offside goals is the new uh, VAR used in the World Cup. That new technology that's really pinpoint with the with a ball that's also semi-automatic. I do feel that it is a bit excessive. I feel like it kind of takes away from the human side of the game. I mean, goal line technology is great and all, but if every single call is being made by VAR or by that sort of technology, what's really the point of having the refs there? It just kind of eliminates the human side of the game. Yeah, it's definitely slowed down quite a few goals. And one team that also has slowed down a lot of goals is Brazil. They've got two clean sheets in their two games. They've played really, really well so far in this tournament with six points already. So who do, what do you guys think are your favorites here to win at the tournament? I mean, even though Argentina got that early loss against Saudi Arabia, I do still think they're the favorites going into – they're my favorites at least going into the knockouts if they win this game. I mean, they d they've done amazing in the Nations League – pre-World Cup, and I do think that they have that team chemistry, and with it being Messi's last chance to win a World Cup, I think he's got that motivation, that drive to finally take home this trophy. I'm going to back Brazil. Even though they look a little shaky and Richarlison's being a little lazy as a striker, but Neymar's coming back after their last group stage game, and he's going to hopefully carry Brazil to an sixth World Cup. I like France. I don't, I don't know why. They got the best player in the world, in my opinion, uh, Kylian Mbappe. And they got a good attack with uh, Antoine Griezmann. And uh, I like Olivier Drew. I just love that guy. <laughs> they are missing Ballon d'Or striker Kareem Benzema, though. That's a He's a humongous part of their team. And with him missing, I don't feel like they can go very far in these knockouts. I don't know. Like, Olivier Giroud, he's taking that role, and he's taking it by the horns, and he's, uh, I believe, tied now with Thierry Henry for the highest-scoring player in French football history. So another team that I like to look at here is also I like Argentina, but I think England, you know, although they did have that tie against USA, I think they are a scary, scary team, especially, you know, they benched a few players in that game against USA, which the managing of that team has not always been the greatest, you know, especially in that Euros run. They made it to the finals. They couldn't get it done. I think they've got a chip on their shoulder, and I think they're really going to put it on Wales to, or today, and I think they're going to make it to the round of 16 and make a big run in the tournament. Speaking yeah. of the management decisions at England, what do you guys think of the decision on Gareth Southgate's part to ignore Tamori from Milan and end up choosing Maguire, who's been sitting for Manchester United for a great majority of their games? Maguire uh, has a different level at when he's at England. He, I think he really represents England. And he, in the United States game, we, the United States, I believe, were dominant in that game. And Maguire had to show up, and he was stopping every cross, which made the United States have to dribble into the box and actually shoot from the center instead of crossing it. Isn't uh, Harry Maguire, like, one of their captains? So he's a leader on the team, so he's just doing his job there. The defense, uh, defense of the U.S. in the game really made England look like a mediocre team. And... Uh, 
they got uh, England for, has good attack. They have like the whole Premier League <laughs> uh, on their squad pretty much. Yeah, and uh, they have all those strikers with uh, uh, Saka and all those different players. And uh, the the U.S. had a good team uh, job stopping them. Yeah, to go back to what Broden said and Daniel, that there's always these players that just seem to come alive when they play for their national team. Like we've seen Antoine Griezmann, who struggled at Atletico Madrid, but he always he, and he comes to play when he comes to play when he wears that France jersey. Same thing with Paul Pogba. It just seems like a theme, especially with those French players. Paul Pogba has been really moving around from team to team, but especially at the Euros, and I'm waiting to see it happen at this World Cup, but he usually turns up when he puts on that France jersey, and maybe he could be a key player in those knockout stages. Yeah, another player shows that shows up from Atletico Madrid is Yao Felix. He's I I personally think he is like he could be one of the a Ballon d'Or winner if he really puts it to him or really puts strives to it, but he only really shows up for Portugal. Yeah. Another team that I also want to talk about real quick is Spain in that seven to nothing absolute dominating performance yeah, over Costa Rica. Like, it was insane. Like, and then they came back the next day, and they played Germany, and Germany pulled a tie out of them after Germany got upset in the second biggest upset of the tournament in which Japan beat them 2-1. to one. Yeah, as a Germany, as I want Germany to go as far as they can, uh, they have to really now, they can't, they have to earn it. They have to win against Costa Rica, or again, yeah, against Costa Rica, and they have to hope that Spain beat Japan, which is not good-looking for a German side that have gotten knocked out at the Euros against England in the first round and knocked out in the group stage last World Cup. I'm not really surprised by that Japan one because Japan had, uh, last year, I believe, had a good game with Belgium, but Belgium put it on the end. But the Japan has been solid in the last World, well, few World Cups, in my opinion. Um, so I wasn't really surprised by that game. Yeah, they've been solid, but then they came back the next day and they went out and lost to Costa Rica one nothing. Like, this World Cup has been full of surprises, like it always is. So I'm sure we're tuned in for a lot more surprises as we head into this third match day where it's do-or-die time, you know. As we know, USA, they play Iran. If they win, they're in. A loss or a tie, and they're out. We've got a lot of teams facing similar scenarios like that. For that U.S. team, I think they got need uh, their leaders to set up Christian Pulisic, Tim Reed, Matt Turner, Weston McKinney, and Walker Zimmerman specifically. Those leaders um, with Tim Ream, isn't he like 35 or something? Yeah, on he's the, one of the veterans. Um, he needs that defense has what's been kept him alive in this World Cup. But the, you, in, a, in a game, you can't, the object of the game is to score, not to play defense the whole time and park the bus. You, you gotta have those attackers like Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic to attack the goal like they had, that's why they scored against Wales in, in the first half there. Um, but they needed uh, closeout games too. They didn't close out the Wales game. That should have been a win, but uh, it was a he uh, hesitant call um, to who they foul. I don't remember that game. Yeah, they fouled Gareth Bale and he went yeah, out and scored Bale. the penalty. Yep. Um, so uh, th that if they just didn't have that one mistake, that's three points right there. Um, but if this. Uh, U.S. team attacks the goal and closes out games, I think they'll close out and move on to the knockout stage. I mean, uh, this U.S. team is, in all, a very inexperienced team. And while this year, I don't think this year is our World Cup to go very far. If we make it to the knockouts, all well and good. I don't know how far we're going to make it. But these next two, three World Cups and those next major tournaments, 
I think we can go on to be a really good team with Weston McKinney, players like Gio Reyna. And I, honestly, with this young of a squad, we could do really good things in the future. Yeah, especially because the next World Cup is in the USA, Canada, and Mexico. So they're already qualified. They've already made it. So now it's just time. They've got the home field advantage. So what can they do with that advantage? I want to talk about Belgium for a second. They are the most overrated team in the tournament. They're number two overall in the FIFA rankings, and they just, they just look bad. Their own captain, Kevin De Bruyne, is telling is saying that his team is old and and probably won't make it far in the World Cup. Yeah, the number two in the world, but they're number three in their group right now in Group F. So they've got a long way to go. They just lost to Morocco two nothing. Yes, they had that close win against Canada, but they got dominated in that game. So. If Croatia plays the way that they just played against Canada in that 4-1 win, Croatia might just put another Spain versus Costa Rica performance on them. So real quick, we're going to head back now to college football. we got the conference championship game starting up this weekend and, of course, the college playoffs a few weeks after that into the new year. What are you guys' predictions now for those top four teams? You know, we've got a lot of teams. Uh, Ohio State is you know, with that loss, they're probably going to be out of that top four with USC stepping in. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? I think it's tough that Ohio State got knocked out of the top four. Yes, they get that they got dominated by Michigan for that game. But to get knocked out of the top four, USC, they've played okay opponents, but they've lost to, they lost to Utah. And they're coming up on another game against Utah on the second. And if they lose that, Ohio State are probably going to be fourth. I think if USC loses, they're out of the playoffs. Um, that Utah team is kind of underrated. They beat, they beat them. They've, they're their only loss in that one-point loss where they went up for a two-point conversion and won. It was an emotional game. I think they had some players that uh, that uh, like passed. They didn't pass away, but uh, something happened in the day before. So it was an emotional game, that game against uh, USC that they beat, beat them. But uh, I think if USC loses, I think Ohio State might bump up uh, to – uh, uh, that spot in the top four. Yeah, so that's about, oh, that's about all the time we have here for today on Sweet Seats. Next week, we've got the episode six podcast held by, or hosted by Kyle Purdy. And so I've been Ryan Bunn. Andrew Stewart. Daniel Steer. Brody Jansberg. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.